If we feel mom guilt and we say we don't want to feel that way, like I don't want to feel guilty, but we keep feeling it, consider, even if it's just 1% true, might there be a hidden reward for continuing to feel guilty? So in my belief system, I at some point decided that a good mom would feel guilty. Welcome to the Thoughts from the Couch podcast. I'm anxiety treatment expert and licensed mental health counselor, Justine Carino. I'm here to help you understand the root of your anxiety so you can create new habits that actually stick. Toxic behavior patterns, dysfunctional relationships, and childhood family trauma are all linked to the anxiety you experience. And that's exactly what we dive into on this podcast. Join me as I guide you through flipping the script on your negative thoughts, setting healthy boundaries in your relationships, and cultivating a self-care practice that's as unique as you are. From my couch to yours, let's create your path to peace. Hello, everyone. Are you a hardworking, high-achieving mother who wants to be a perfect mom and is struggling with mom guilt? Well, you are in the right place, my friend. Today on the Thoughts from the Couch podcast, we are talking about the perfectionism that shows up for high-achieving moms, the cause of these perfectionistic thoughts, and ways to overcome the stress of struggling with this type of perfectionism. In this episode, you'll hear me talk with psychologist Dr. Stephanie Lopez, who specializes in treating women who are struggling with anxiety and anger so they can feel happier and more at ease. Stephanie is a former NASA psychologist... Yes, I said that right, NASA psychologist, and the founder of The Brave Method. Her passion lies in helping high-achieving moms become more authentic and self-aware because she believes both are directly correlated with how effective women will be in motherhood, at work, and in their lives. As you listen, you will hear what Stephanie views as the root of perfectionism in motherhood, how this impacts a woman's mental health, how societal conditioning plays a role, and how perfectionism relates to mom guilt. Let's get into this episode so you can meet Stephanie. Hi, Stephanie. Thank you so much for speaking with me and my audience today. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your career? Yes. Thank you so much for having me. So on a personal note, I have two little girls, a two and a half year old and four and a half year old. And um, on a professional note, I Uh, worked at NASA for eight years. I was an organizational psychologist and coach there. The official title was organizational development consultant. And um, working there actually changed the trajectory of my entire life and my career. So I say I did work there. I, in 2013, took this workshop that was five days long. And it was very experiential and it just shifted everything that I thought I knew, even though I was already a psychologist. Wow. Was this a workshop through NASA or? It was. They hired an external vendor and it's called the human element. And um, now I'm a, a licensed human element practitioner. Like it just impacted me on such a deep level. But the entire focus was we can improve an organization if we focus on deepening the self-awareness of every single individual. 
rather than the other way around, which is uncommon and applicable, obviously, in every area of our life, not just at work. So I can say more, but that's like an overview of Oh, I didn't say what I do now. <laughs> what do you do now? <laughs> that would be helpful. Yeah. So this this hit me so hard um, that I was like, every single human needs to experience this. I don't remember exactly at what point, but at some point I was like, you know what? This would be best for moms because they're influencing the next generation. And so after I became a mom, I was like, finally had my own, uh, you know, meltdown afterwards, second baby pandemic. It was just a whole, a whole, oh my goodness, you know, rough, rough time. And then I got the courage. My second baby gave me the courage to leave NASA and to follow my dreams of bringing this work to as many moms as possible. So that's what I do now. I work as an emotion and mindset coach for high achieving mothers. I love this. I have so many follow-up questions for you. First (laughs) of all, I love hearing, I also am a pandemic mom. My daughter just turned two last week. So I don't know, I didn't realize how like dramatic it was Mm -hmm. to have a baby during the pandemic, during Mm -hmm. a time that you were, I was so fearful of this baby getting COVID. It was before the vaccines came out. It was before, it was a very different time than we are experiencing now. And so I'm happy to hear that you also experienced the stress of a second baby and your second baby being your pandemic baby and what that was like for you. I mean, it was rough. Yeah, she was born March 25th. So like the I feel like the fear was just like, you know, all time high that year, just like you had yours and yours in 2020. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 So I def- I resonate. Yeah. With, it, it was rough. It was really, really rough. I was not the best version of myself. I'm gonna no. say that much. No. And no. trying to go back to work after having two kids. Yeah. NASA psychologist. Whoa, mm-hmm. like just hearing that is beyond impressive. And oh, thank you. What was your day-to-day life like at that company? Yeah, so every day was different, which I loved. But essentially what I was always doing with different types of work was working with leadership to figure out why are things not working um, as well as we want them to, whether that was productivity or happiness or satisfaction or engagement um, or collaboration, anything along those lines. And, you know, I mean, 80% of problems at work are people issues. So um, I ended up becoming a coach while working there. And what I was often doing with leadership was helping them become more self-aware so that they could be more effective in their role and create the environment that they wanted. So what was I doing? I was doing everything from, you know, focus groups to um, interviews, to surveys, to um, trainings, to workshops, just like a really wide variety. It it was fun. I am really grateful. Yeah. Yeah. And then this workshop that you experienced while there, it was called the human experience workshop, which human element, the human element, which changed your life. Give Mm -hmm. us some snippets. Like what is that about? What do you do in that workshop? So the hands down thing for me that was so eye-opening and profound was an entire module around defense mechanisms. So 
I don't remember exactly how I defined defense mechanisms going in, but I think I had a pretty narrow definition, you know, um, somebody that is overly critical or blames or attacks, you know, things like that. And this just expanded it drastically. We learned over 40 signs of defenses. Yes. Cool. Everything, everything from helping behavior to using humor in conversations to being overly critical and anything in between. I'm going to paint a picture. I'm sitting in this circle in the room and I'm filling out this signs of defensiveness survey, checking these boxes that, you know, it's like, check everything that you do time to time. And I like get done and I checked almost everything. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> and I was so embarrassed. Like, I, I mean, I'm laughing now probably because I'm still embarrassed a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> and I look over, like kind of, you know, peek over at the, the woman next to me and she's got like next to nothing checked. And in that moment, I was mortified, mortified. Wow. I was like, I have so many problems. And you're the psychologist in the room. And I'm the psychologist. <laughs> Look at that. How ironic. <laughs> so, oh, oh my gosh. But, you know, it was just my um, not dealing with my emotions well, not like believing that my insecurities were true in facts. And I don't even know where to go. And you changed from, from then on, though, it sounds like once you had this yeah. awareness, it led to your change. It did. It, it shifted everything for me. So now when I work with my clients, I teach all of them about defense mechanisms. And for most people, it's like the mind blown emoji comes up like what? <laughs> I didn't think I was defensive. I didn't think that was a defense mechanism. And I'm like, I know. We need it's a whole other episode on defense mechanisms. We need you to come yes. back to talk about that. We can totally do that. Oh, fascinating. So th yes. thank you. Thank you for sharing all this. Well, we yeah. actually have you here today to talk about perfectionism, yes. which is like a thread in a lot of the work I do in my private practice, but also on this podcast. We talk a lot about overachievers and people pleasers and perfectionists. So yes. I want you to give us a little bit of a definition about how you see perfectionism. What is perfectionism? Yeah. So the way that I look at it is just unrealistically high expectations for themselves and others. And in my experience, most people, maybe not most, a good portion though, don't even realize that they are perfectionists unless somebody has called them that. Yeah. How do we relate that to mothers? Like, how do you see mothers in particular struggling with perfectionism and what kind of challenges do you think perfectionism in motherhood brings to someone's mental health? So never feeling like they're a good enough mom, even if they're doing all the things, feeling inadequate, worrying about what other people think. So maybe if you picture you're out with friends and your child um, it has, you know, is having a meltdown or maybe is the quote unquote more emotional than the other kids and then coming home and just ruminating on it and thinking about it like oh what did they think about me are they judging me all you know all of those types of things so that comparison too these are I mean there's more of course but these are some of the things that I hear most often um from my clients one other really common thing is the all or nothing thinking and to be 
doing everything all of the time, or if you miss the mark, you're a failure as a mom. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I could relate to that. So my son, he's in kindergarten this year, and there was a class, the first field trip, mm-hmm. and we get a letter home. First of all, everything's last minute. It's like, hey, next Friday, there's a field trip. I'm like, wait, yeah. what? We what? need some type A people up in this school. <laughs> Like, can I get a planner? That's how I feel about my daughter's daycare. <laughs> yes. I'm like, wait a minute. A week's notice is last minute for me. For other people, it's like, oh, that's plenty of time. No, that's last minute in my calendar. A week's notice. Sorry. I have lots to do. Um, but I didn't think of chaperoning. And part of, well, no, I did, but I had scheduled like seven to eight clients that day, plus a podcast mm-hmm. interview. I had a big day, right? To cancel all of that, it's a lot. It's a lot. And so then my son came home and was like, mommy, everyone else's mom was there except me and this other kid. And I wanted to like cry, 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 cry. And I felt such guilt. And like, he was okay. He wanted me to know that, right? He missed me. He wished I could have been there. But like, it didn't impact our relationship the end rest of the day. He went on like life is normal. But it impacted me and I couldn't stop thinking about it and like saying to my husband, like, wow, like I should have prioritized the field trip. You know, Mm -hmm. I have a flexible schedule. And I just felt so guilty Mm. about not being there and my husband's like it's fine just go to the next one it's true I could go to the next one but then I convinced myself what if that's the only field trip in kindergarten I missed this first field trip in kindergarten and so we we beat ourselves up over this yes yes it's so true because you want to we want to be the best moms as we can and do as much as we can for our kids and Yeah. And then, okay. So I don't know. You tell me if this happened for you, but in situations like that, what can be triggered in me also is like, I felt as a kid Mm. when something like that happened. And so then it just sends me back immediately um, to, yes. Because I had a working mom. Mm-hmm. And she couldn't come to my field trips. And I mm-hmm. remember she came to like one of them and or two of them. Sorry, mom, I can't remember. <laughs> but, but I remember the ones she did come to were really special for me. And I was like excited that she was there. So mm-hmm. obviously my inner child was triggered mm-hmm. by my son's comment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it, it zaps us back. It's so mm-hmm. true. So yeah, mothers struggling with perfectionism, I think is harder now than it is ever before because our moms didn't have the social media to see what all the other moms were doing with their kids and how they were spending their time. So I think it really amplifies this for moms today. What do you think? Yeah, absolutely. And I'm, I'm curious your stance on this, but what I tell my clients, because they'll, especially with social media end up comparing a lot and everybody's like oh don't compare don't compare and I don't give that advice because I'm like your brain is going to compare on autopilot like that is one of the things that it does so rather than trying to stop it from doing a natural thing that it does how about we just notice it and we don't accept that as truth Yes. Yes. I mean, like that, like that is the key. And also we don't have context for everybody's lives. Okay. They posted a picture that they went on this field trip, but we don't, we don't know every, everything else. So it's like, we can't even compare. Um, But I love that you said we can't, like, we shouldn't tell ourselves to stop comparing because our brains were wired to compare. We had as like 
evolving creatures. We had to see how other people were surviving yes. so we could mimic that. So we're just wired to compare and see where we stand. Yes. I love that feedback. So we should just notice it and be like, okay, what's this comparison about? And then challenge, that's the CBT. Let's challenge the way we're thinking about this. Is this a helpful thought? Is it right. an assumption? How do we feel after thinking this way? How can we yes. you know, challenge all of this? Yes. Yeah. Those stories that our brain makes up seem like facts, but yes. they're not. They're not. So might this just be something that my brain is telling me? Absolutely. I am so happy to announce that my first ever online program, The Path to Peace, is here. This is a step-by-step -step mini course to help you create your unique anxiety management routine in just seven days. This was designed to help the overachieving, people-pleasing perfectionist gain control over racing thoughts, manage overwhelming feelings of anxiety, and craft a self-care practice to optimize their mental health through evidence-based treatment methods. These strategies will leave you with a sense of freedom from your own thoughts, help you live more presently, and make decisions out of intention instead of fear. The course includes the exact process that I use with my one-to-one -one clients in my private practice that has resulted in them telling me that they feel like a new person because of implementing the tools they've learned from our work together. You can find the link to the Path to Peace in the notes section of this episode and on my website, carinocounseling.com. So why do you think, like, what are some of the reasons mothers struggle with perfectionism? What are some of the real reasons behind this? So it, it is a survival strategy mm. for avoiding judgment and criticism. That's how mm. I look at it. Part of us is like, you know, our inner child's trying to keep us safe. Like, let's avoid being judged. Let's avoid being criticized. So I think, though... That really what it comes down to is that we tend to believe that our insecurities are facts. And so I did allude to that in the very beginning of this call. Mm -hmm. I said like all those insecurities, I thought that that was what was true about me mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. I, I struggled with perfectionism and people pleasing and feeling anxious and getting and blowing up like, you know, sporadically all the things. So anyways, to tie this like back to what I was saying. So deep down, it's not really that we are afraid of being rejected or that we're afraid of being criticized or that we're afraid of, you know, anything, any of those judgments from somebody else, but that we believe that it's true. So maybe I believe that actually I am unlikable or that I am incompetent at some level. And that is where the work is. We are not accepting that we are flawed humans. Fascinating. Fascinating. So the problem is, are these core beliefs that we're carrying around? We have these core beliefs that we're unwanted or unlikable or incapable or whatever we beat ourselves yeah. up with, which have been influenced from our life experiences yes. that we then carry with us into motherhood and start to use the perfectionism as a shield to protect us so we're not yes. triggering those core beliefs. Am I right, right about that? 
Yes. That's how I look at it. I don't know. Is that how you approach it as well? Yeah, for sure. I agree with that. Yeah. And so if we spend our life avoiding the thing, being rejected, being criticized, that thing is in control. So it's like, actually, by avoiding the things, we're giving our power away. Totally. So when you're talking to women and you said you specialize in like these high achieving, Mm -hmm. is it working moms or stay at home moms or doesn't really matter? I target working moms. I get self, uh, uh, stay at home moms as well. Yeah. Okay. Just if people identify as, you know, driven, high achieving, they're welcome. They all are welcome. Yeah. So how do you start to help people challenge these core beliefs and rewire their brains to be, you know, battling the perfectionism you think? Yeah. So I have a whole method that I go through with people, which was influenced by the human element and also other, other things, you know, from my PhD and my coaching certification. But one of the things, the big things is that at least the people that I encounter, they need to expand their capacity to sit with emotions, negative emotions, uncomfortable feelings. Because society, many of our parents, our caregivers had this approach that they thought was good, where we're going to cut off the emotional cycle. We are going to, you know, brush the emotions under the rug. They're a nuisance. We need to, you know, like be in control of ourselves, which can come from a very positive place, except for it has all kinds of negative outcomes. And so one of the big things I work with clients is like, let's expand our capacity to tolerate the emotions. And some of what goes into that is not, accept, not, not labeling it as bad. Yes. I'm, I'm clapping. So listeners know I did a silent <laughs> yes. clap because the, this theme is woven into a lot of my conversations on the podcast, but so many in my private practice and therapy is like, the remedy here is to tolerate, tolerate, tolerate the uncomfortable feelings. At some point we were told we maybe were too dramatic or too sensitive or suck it up. Or like, there's no room for that sadness around here. There's no room for that anxiety around here. Yeah. So I love that you are, we're on the same page. We really are. You're coaching this to women that need to hear. And now that we're talking about this, why do you think overachievers have such a hard time or perfectionists have a, such a hard time tolerating these uncomfortable emotions. Labeling it as something that shouldn't be happening. If we have this belief that we are not supposed to have these negative emotions, then it's going to be hard to tolerate. I will speak for myself. So um, the way that I grew up was like, to cut off the emotional cycle, to keep it down, to stop it from happening. It was like very much like show up perfect, you know? And, but then what, what happened is that you can only hold it in so long. Think, you know, if I, I, I often give a metaphor of like a pot of boiling water. If the water is all the emotions, if you have a lid on top, it's only so long till it's going to blow off. So, but then If I have this belief, uh, I was a child with an underdeveloped brain and I thought, okay, I'm not supposed to have negative emotions. So I try not to, I try to, I use control to keep it in and then I can't, then I feel, I felt broken. 
Mm. Well, something must be wrong with me Mm. if I can't always keep it under control. But the goal isn't to control. It's to let the emotions flow through their rather quick cycle if we just don't fight it. Yeah, it's pretty quick. It's pretty quick. You get back to baseline here. Yes, yes. I don't know if I answered your question. No, you did. And I'm also thinking of like intergenerationally, like I feel like you and I were probably raised by parents whose parents, so our grandparents, were probably really intolerant of emotions and that our parents were the generation of like, you basically got beat up by your parents, but it was okay. Like that was punishment, yes. like severe corporal punishment. And if if you cried about it, you better suck it up. What do you, you have nothing to cry about? Yes. So then our parents grew up with that template and then parented us according to that, but less harsh, right? A little less, yeah. less beatings there, but yes, that's but true still, for me too, <laughs> but less harsh. And so then they created us as the mothers now who struggle a lot. I, this is my theory with the perfectionism, because we're also the generation with so much access to what other mothers are doing and Mm -hmm. so on and so forth. So I think the intergenerational Mm -hmm. template is important too, of what's been passed down in our families of our relationship with emotions in general. And I think, you know, a lot of emotions were not tolerated in families. Mm -hmm. 100%. Yes. So then now the, my, I didn't say this at the beginning, but my goal is for me and my clients to break that those generational cycles. It's time. We are, it is safe to be human. Yes. And to have feelings and to make yes. mistakes. Yes. Which is all human, right? All of yes. that. So I love that. What do you call your method that you go through with your clients? Brave method. The and brave, brave method. is an, is an acronym. Um, but it's, lengthy at this point. So I just, (laughs) probably nobody knows it's actually an acronym. (laughs) I love that. But it sounds like what helps women get through this perfectionism is tolerating all of these uncomfortable feelings that we've Mm -hmm. never been taught to tolerate before Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. to sit through the cycle because they're waves. Emotions are waves and they come on strong. And if you can tolerate them long enough, they will subside. They will subside. Yes. Yes. And then um, one of the the big things that I do with my clients is really addressing the root cause. And I'm not necessarily talking about like one specific root cause that happened, but if we look at the insecurities that are driving the the behavioral reactions that you have, and we address your relationship with your insecurities, then things can get a lot better for you. And you can feel happier and calmer and lighter by doing that. And that's really the tie-in with the defense mechanisms because the defense mechanisms are in place so that we don't feel temporarily the insecurities. So how do we put this? So someone listening is like, oh, this makes sense to me. Like what are some of the Mm -hmm. defense mechanisms tied to perfectionism you think? Yeah. Or is perfectionism the defense mechanism? (laughs) (laughs) It it kind of is. Yeah. (laughs) But so, so even um, all or nothing thinking can be a sign of defensiveness, which Mm. is, is one of the signs of perfectionism. It's one of the core things, you know, that perfectionists show up with. Um, People pleasing is a common struggle 
for perfectionists. So let's say that, that somebody says, um, maybe, maybe it's even your mom. She's like, Oh, you know, I want to come and visit. And like, really you, you don't want her to that weekend, but you say, okay, come on over. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So the people pleasing in that moment, we are avoiding what might happen if we honor what we really want right so it's it's a temporary strategy just to get through rather than if i say no she might get upset with me she might you know not like me she might judge me in some way so it's really avoiding those things mm-hmm, yeah mm-hmm. nope that makes complete sense yep the people pleasing yeah. is the defense to avoid the uncomfortable feeling of saying no to your mother and having to deal with your mother's feelings about yes. the no but then you end up resenting it anyway and perhaps it shows up over the weekend and then you and your mom fight about something else yep so it really just comes down to like truly expanding your capacity to sit with these negative emotions. Sometimes though, when I say that people don't resonate with it, they're like, but I feel stuff all the time. Like I'm feeling, I'm, I'm, I'm anxious. I'm, you know, yelling. I'm, you know, moms are like, I'm yelling. I'm like, those are emotions. You know, they're like, those are emotions. And that's where the defense mechanisms and the insecurities Mm -hmm. really can shine a light. Like, oh, some of this is a mask where I, I, there are some things that I'm avoiding and that I don't want to feel. And, you know, the defense mechanism allows us to temporarily basically not feel inadequate. Yes. We're avoiding that feeling. You are inherently adequate. Mm -hmm. You are inherently good enough. Life experiences and how we Mm -hmm. internalize things make us start to feel like we're not. And the comparisons that come up too. How do you think perfectionism plays a role specifically with mom guilt. I know we touched on that in the beginning a little bit. Um, How does it make it worse, you think? So part of me wants to give like a radically different answer. Maybe (laughs) it might be a little triggering for some if they're not on board or open, open to thinking differently. So there's my caveat. Mm-hmm. Let's hear <laughs> so, it. I'm dying to hear it now. <laughs> okay. So if we feel mom guilt and we say we don't want to feel that way, like I don't want to feel guilty, but we keep feeling it, consider, even if it's just 1% true, might there be a hidden reward for continuing to feel guilty? So, for instance, Maybe if I go out of town on uh, a trip without my kids and I feel guilty, the hidden reward is that I feel like a good mom and like a responsible mom and a mom who cares and loves. Because in my belief system, I at some point decided that a good mom would feel guilty. So if you go on your girl's getaway and don't feel guilty, you must be a bad mom. Mm-hmm. Fascinating. Yes. So yes. the guilt validates that you're a good mom. Yes. Oh, yes. that's interesting. So I want to add one point here because one of my clients recently um, 
came back because she's like, I don't know if I'm understanding. Am I not supposed to feel these negative things like guilt? No, that's not what I'm saying. If you are saying I'm feeling a certain way and you keep saying, but I don't want to, that's the key. Like if, if I'm feeling guilty and I'm saying, but I don't want to feel guilty. I just want to be able to do what I, I just want to be able to go on the trip. I just want to be able to hang out with my girlfriend or these other moms for the afternoon or whatever. And you, it keeps coming up. Look for the hidden reward. There's some kind and of reward. This, the super cool thing is that at any point I can choose, like, I don't have to feel guilty and I can, I'm still a good mom. That's making me like think so much about the things I feel guilty about as a mm -hmm. mom. And then I'm like, okay, what is the benefit to this? Like, yes. is there a hidden benefit? Is it possible people could just feel guilty and that's fine? Like, yep. Okay. They're guilty. You're, you're right. That one would feel guilty in that situation. Like the validation. I, I, I want to say yes. And, and I, th I really think it's like, it, maybe a, the finer point here is if I'm saying that I don't want to, but that I keep I feeling to. that. I, I think that's, you know, one of the key things mm. there. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Because we're going to have those negative emotions come up and that's fine. But maybe yes. if it's persisting or if I'm saying I don't want to feel this way, I would advise look for the hidden reward. And I actually have over 40. Wow. <laughs> payoffs like to help my clients identify well what is it because sometimes they're like there's no benefit there's no hidden reward and then they look at the list they're like oh ooh. so can you tell us some of those on that list can you give us a sneak peek of some of those hidden rewards so some of them are like I feel like a good person I feel um responsible I feel better than my parents oh, I feel in control I don't have to feel my emotions I feel likable. I mean, I'm just throwing out like random because mm -hmm. it obviously mm -hmm. depends on the situation. I feel yeah. likable. I don't have to deal with other people's opinions. These are some of them, of the, these, the hidden rewards. So the yeah. perpetuated mom guilt is like rewarded by some of those beliefs. Mm -hmm. that, and that keeps the mom guilt being there. It keeps it pervasive. Mm -hmm. Fascinating. Really yes. fascinating. Yes. There's another part of me that, also, and I want your opinion on this, also okay. feels like, yeah, well, sometimes you are a bad mom. <laughs> like sometimes people are, right? And sometimes you do things that are your fault. Is that where we go ahead and say that sorry and really own where things are our, our fault as a parent or as a mom? Something that I like um, weave into all my work is self-accountability. We've got to take ownership for our part. Absolutely. Yeah. So, yes. Yeah. yeah, because sometimes <laughs> we are, we make a choice that's like not the best choice to make as a mother and we should feel that guilt and take accountability for it for yeah. sure. So here's the thing though, you know, and maybe, maybe I'm pushing the envelope, but I can take accountability and not like, like beat myself up for it and not like keep feeling guilty. Like, okay, I messed up. And, and actually this is really helpful for perfectionists because they tend to think, well, there, there is a continuum and one side is self-improvement and the other side is self-acceptance. And so what happens when we believe that it's on the same line, then 
we think people tend to think I have to beat myself up in order to improve. So Mm. in this situation, in order to make sure that I don't make this mistake as a a mom again, or parent again, I've got to beat myself up, but actually think about it logically for a second. If all my energy is going into beating myself up, the energy to think about doing things differently and to shift my behavior and embody being a different person isn't there. Right. Cause it takes so much energy to change. Yes. So when I, ex- when I really open my eyes to the possibility is actually two different lines. I have self-acceptance on one line, self-improvement on another. I can be high on both. I don't have to beat myself up in order to make the changes that I want to, including being a fantastic mom. I can Mm -hmm. recognize like, yeah, I, and own it like, okay, I screwed up there and I will do better. And this is what I'm going to do to, to make the changes that I want to. Right. Because there's some people that live in the beat myself up, beat myself up, depression, anxiety, guilt mode, which prevents them from actually taking action to Mm -hmm. be better and do better. Yes. It's yes. this excuse. I don't know if you experience this with, I have clients that come to this on their own and it's such a phenomenal moment where they're like, I realize my depression is benefiting me or I realize my anxiety is benefiting me. It prevents me from doing anything. It prevents me from needing to go to work. It prevents me. And I'm like, yes, you got that's to this the point. hidden reward. Yes. The hidden reward. You figured it out. I didn't have to tell you it. And that's like the best moment in a therapy session when someone gets awareness of the the benefit of their mental health struggles like yes. something yeah and I try to frame it as like you're not doing this all on purpose this is all subconscious but when you see the benefit of having a mental health struggle yeah it, it can move you in a good direction yes yeah that and so like along the lines of self-accountability that I mentioned earlier another word is choice and and we don't and we can separate judging ourselves for a choice that we made or continue to make yeah. And that, and, and when we allow ourselves like to come at it without judging, then it's easier to see what are those hidden rewards? Like, why would I create this pattern in my life? Yes, 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 yes. This also relates, like I do a lot of family systems work and I talk about Mm -hmm. roles and family roles and, and it takes a while for people to get on board with this. They all think I'm nuts, but I'm like, your role in your family system is being perpetuated to keep your family together. Like there's a benefit to your entire family for you being the quote unquote sick one or the, this one or the perfect one or that one. Like you're over, you've always been the overachiever in your family. How did that Mm -hmm. keep your family surviving at the time? What role does it play now? It kind of reminds me of that. Like there's a benefit to some of these roles that we play in our childhood Mm. that we carry out as moms too. The overachieving mom. What is that doing for you right now? And and you're the family you've created. This is so, so helpful and really eye-opening. What are some specific things like a listener can start to do to overcome like this perfectionism and this pressure? Like how do they start to begin Mm -hmm. um, the development of their own awareness? Yes. Okay. So the big one, like we talked about is expanding your capacity to sit with emotions. And so if you're asking, yeah, but how do I do that? There's not necessarily anything to do. It's to stop fighting, to stop Mm -hmm. resisting and just put a timer on when you, let's say you're, you start feeling like, um, you know, something that's uncomfortable come up, put it, put a two minute timer on and and sit there or in, 
I mean, there's lots of strategies for processing your emotions, but just to begin practicing to, you know, I can, I can cope with this. Um, a simple change, rather simple, is to change the way that you think about emotions when you start thinking about them as neutral messengers rather than a nuisance. Then you you can look at them as data. Okay, my emotions are they're trying to tell me something. If I look at them as data, what is the information here? For instance, if I feel overwhelmed, what is the data? Ask for help. Your soul, soul for lack of a better word, is begging you to ask for help. Okay. So let's sit with that. If I'm resisting asking for help, why? Because it feels vulnerable, because I have rules in my head that I shouldn't have to ask for help. Is that the way that I want to think about things? Do I, is that serving me? Is that getting the outcome? So you just really start, you know, looking at things more scientifically rather than, you know, like emotions, they're not a nuisance. They're, they are data for you. Yes. Yes. When you were talking about setting a timer and tolerating, I'm thinking of, so we both have little kids, sleep training, right? And I don't know if you did this, but I did. did, And I would put on the timer to give you perspective of, is this baby or toddler really crying for what feels like 45 minutes or did five minutes pass? That was so useful to have that timer because that's all about tolerating the emotion you feel to hear your child crying for you. Um, and you know, I don't judge whoever sleep trains or doesn't to each their own, but it's, that helped me so much. Yeah, I totally agree because it, it can feel excruciating and longer than in reality. Yeah, Yeah. totally. Yeah. Yeah. These are amazing tips. These are amazing. Thank you so much for sharing these tidbits with us and really validating some of our listeners on this journey in motherhood. Um, I know people are going to take such value from this conversation. Anything else you feel like we should, you should add before we wrap up? No, thank you for having me. Of course. This was amazing. I will make sure our listeners can find you. So how can people reach out to you if they're interested in connecting with you? I am most active on Instagram and you can find me at Dr. Stephanie Lopez, Dr. Stephanie Lopez. Awesome. I'll make sure to link you in my show notes. So Stephanie, have an awesome day. I'm going to start practicing some of this in my own life, but hopefully remember all of these tidbits to share with my clients too, who can benefit from some of this work you're doing. Thank you, Justine. Thank you so much. Stephanie and I are on the save wavelength. If you've been one of my listeners for a while now, you know I'm constantly talking about learning how to tolerate your uncomfortable emotions. Stephanie, I feel validated by you today, and I hope my listeners hear from somebody else. We have to learn how to tolerate our emotions. It creates such change in our lives. If you enjoyed listening to this episode, you may also want to listen to episode number 38 called Three Types of Perfectionists with Life Coach Nicole Baker. Nicole is so good at what she does, you don't want to miss that conversation. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in. Go rate this episode, leave a review so I can get this content out into the world and support more people on their mental health journeys. I hope you enjoyed listening to the information shared during this episode. 
For complimentary anxiety management tools, you can head over to my website, carinocounseling.com. Thank you so much for listening and go enjoy all the moments your day has to offer you.